This week on the Man Cave Sports Podcast, I am going over the NFL as always. There were some good games that happened last week, and there are also some bad. My Cincinnati Bengals did not have a good Sunday. Also, the Oakland Raiders are continuing to do stupid stuff as they trade away more key parts to their team. And the New York Giants are continuing to struggle throughout the season. Also, later in the episode, Tim joins me again to talk about some college football, the Heisman standings, what to expect from the college football playoff, and much more coming up next. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Goff. Now, today, folks, it was a beautiful day, you know, outside, but it was also a very productive day as I finally got a Facebook page created for this podcast. You guys can find it on Facebook if you just look up Man Cave Sports Podcast in the search bar, and it should be one of the first ones that pop up, and yeah. Yeah, anyways, you can find us there, and it's just another way for you guys to connect with us. You can send us messages and all that good stuff. And also, on that Facebook page, we're also going to be keeping you up with the latest news around the sports world and and you know and all that good stuff. Really excited for that. Got that done. And let me just tell you, so you guys something else. Starting a podcast has been one of the best things I have ever done. And that is really no joke. I have loved it every step of the way. Starting this podcast is great. And starting a podcast is, you know, especially in today's world, it is really easy to do. And honestly, before I started this thing, did not think it was going to be this easy. And I, again, in today's world, it, it, it's just it's just easy because you know with, through Anchor, it pretty much does everything for you as far as publishing it. It, it puts it on it their website, and it also distributes to Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, just to name a few, and. You know, the Man Cave Sports Podcast is on 10 different platforms. And I think that is, I just think that is pretty damn cool. And again, before I get to uh, starting to talk about sports, you could find us on social media. Our Instagram name is at Man Cave Sports Podcast. You could find us on Twitter at Man Cave Podcast. And also, like I said earlier, you can find us on Facebook by just looking up Man Cave Sports Podcast in the search bar. Come in and join in on the fun. This is a fun podcast. We try to incorporate more stuff other than just sports, but of course that is the majority of this podcast. But seriously, follow us on those those pages and interact with us. And as... And as I have said before, if you interact with us, we will 100% interact with you. 
And if you want to follow me on my personal Instagram, it's at Tyler Walrus Golf. And, you know, I'm always up for a good chat about sports or anything else. I post a lot. Of pretty, eh, I post pretty good stuff on Instagram, I would say. So that just to get that out of the way, seriously, and just one more thing. I promise one more thing before I get to sports. I cannot thank you guys enough for, you know, listening to this podcast. You know, just not just me, but everyone that's, you know, that's been working with this podcast. We really thank you guys a whole lot. It really means a lot to us and to me. Uh, just finally getting this podcast started. It's It's been a great experience. And again, I have loved it every step of the way. And just getting continued support to do this. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And for all those, you know, for the people that have listened to every single podcast so far and every single episode, it's just... You guys deserve a lot of the credit. You guys are great continuing to still listen to this thing. It's seriously, we thank you and we hope to that you guys continue to listen to this podcast and that you guys continue to support it and uh, just, and yeah, and we, of course, we're going to continue to do weekly episodes providing you guys with a lot of content on Tuesdays and also Fridays and Saturdays. Of course, Friday we have Tim and I are doing the pregame show, and then of course Saturday night is when we do the postgame show for college football. So we're getting a lot of content out there, and we just hope you guys continue to enjoy this podcast as much as we do it, as as you know, as much as we love it. All right, got that out of the way. On to sports, NFL. There are some good games and also some bad. Uh, Cleveland Browns getting stuck in another over at overtime game, but again losing. They drop their record to two and four and one, losing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield had a solid game, throwing for 215 yards and a couple touchdowns. And uh, they, uh, the the Browns have recently traded Nick, uh, not Nick Chubb, uh, Carlos Hyde to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which was a kind of surprising move in my opinion. But nonetheless, I think the Browns are kind of hyped about Nick Chubb, who's you know he's had some quality games so far this season. And for the Jaguars, Carlos Hyde's a you know he's a serviceable running back in this league. He'll put, he'll give you a thousand yards a year if you give him a lot of touches. So Jacksonville plus they really needed a running back after you know Leonard Fournier has been, uh, has been injured, and also uh, their backups have been uh, dealing with some injuries as well. So going back to this game, Baker had a good game. You know, I was kind of high. I mean, I didn't expect him to go number one, of course. But Baker Mayfield has, you know, I think he's he's looking to really shape this, you know, this Cleveland Browns team and definitely help him for the future. Nick Chubb finishing with 18 carries, 80 yards, and adding a touchdown on the day. And newly acquired wide receiver from this offseason, Jarvis Landry. 10 catches, 97 yards, and also a TD. Tampa Bay. 
Jameis Winston throwing it 52 times, completing it 32 times, 365 yards, but no touchdowns, threw a couple picks. And he also was their leading rusher with 10 carries, 55 yards, and adding a touchdown on the ground. And Mike Evans, their big wide receiver, 7 catches, 107 yards on the day. So, Cleveland, I think, you know, they're 2-4-1. and four and one, But there's also, you know, there are plenty of games where they could have won. Like, they had a tie game, which obviously, you know, why they have, you know, they didn't win or lose that game, of course. And then there were some other close games. But they're 2-4-1, and, four and one, which, you know, the previous, you know, they haven't been able to win a game, you know, before that in, in a while, over uh, over 200 days. So the fact that they're 2-4-1, and four and one, I don't think it's a bad thing. And the fact that they are, you know, they're not really getting blown out by teams except for last week. But other than that, I mean, other than that game last week against the Chargers, they have, I think they've played fairly well. And I think Baker is a big part of that uh, for leading their offense. They're new, you know, they're newly required acquired place uh, players with Jarvis Landry and also picking up Nick Chubb in the draft. I think he's going to be a beast. And I think he's going to help out help out this uh this Browns offense a big uh, a big time. So really expect the Cleveland Browns to get better. And they're definitely going to win more than two games this year. You know, I can, you know, bet money on that. So you know, Cleveland definitely get better. As far as Tampa Bay, man, you know, they had a solid start to the season with the, the, the work of Ryan Fitzmagic, but, you know, of course that ran out, and Jameis Winston has been starting in his place. You know, Jameis has looked okay, but didn't, you know, he led the the Buccaneers to the victory against the Browns this week, but did not throw any touchdowns. But he still had a solid game, over 300 yards passing, which is that in today's NFL that's pretty good. And he also uh, added some yards on the rush too, adding 55, which is actually pretty good. So I mean, Tampa Bay, that win got him back to a a winning rec- uh, a 500 record. They're three and three right now. Whether or not they make the playoffs, that's you know that's to be seen. We'll definitely see. Uh, Jameis Winston is a decent quarterback. I didn't like him at all coming out of Florida State, but he'll still get better. Uh, I think, you know, I think this Tampa Bay team, I think they're good. They just, of course, they have a lot of stuff to work on. Jameis has to get better. Uh, Mike Evans, you know, he's still, you know, I he's becoming, you know, he's been in the league for a little bit now, but he's becoming to, you know, one of the NFL's best wide receivers. So it's just, and also the fact they don't really have a running game. But that also hurts them as well. But they still, you know, with that stuff to figure out, I think making the playoffs can be in the cards. It's just a, you know, matter of, you know, playing consistent ball on offense and trying to establish more of a running game. Another game is a comeback victory for... Gavin's Carolina Panthers. Carolina coming back from as many as 17 points to go on to win 21 to 17. That boosts up the Panthers to a 5 and 2 record, a very 
That's a solid five and two record. And the Eagles that drop that loss drops the Eagles to three and four. Not really the start that you know the sports world was expecting from them, the the reigning Super Bowl champs. But here's the thing, though. I don't think it, it, it it's still early in the season. We're halfway through the season right now, but it's still early, and I still think that. The Philadelphia Eagles can make the playoffs and make a decent run. Because you have Carson Wentz. I mean, even though they lost against Carolina, he still had a very good, very good game going 30 for 37, adding 310 yards through the air and two TDs, no interceptions. Had a, had a pretty good game in Zach Ertz, his tight end, finishing with nine catches and 138 yards. So this team, I still think they have the pieces. And obviously the running backs, they don't have a lot of good ones. And Jai just, you know, he tore his ACL, so that doesn't really leave them with a lot. So they have to, they're another team that really has to fix their running game because I think their 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 passing game is fine, especially with Carson Wentz. Finally, look, you know, he's coming back, and he's, he's looked so pretty good so far this season. And uh, Zach Ertz has also looked pretty good. So their passing game is fine. And they just their rushing game, they have to be able to fix it. And and I think that that would be a big factor as far as if they get to the playoffs. And, of course, Carson Wentz has to still play at this pretty good level. And also in this game, Cam Newton finishing with 269 yards, two TDs. And he was also their leading rusher, adding seven carries with 49 yards on the ground. Devin Funches, their leading receiver on the day, six catches, 62 yards, in adding a touchdown. So, again, Carolina, they're 5-2. I think they're a solid team. And I think Cam Newton can, I really think he can lead them to the playoffs. And I think they, I don't know if they're, I don't think they're going to be a threat per se. And I know Gavin won't, when it doesn't, won't like me to say that. But I don't know if they're going to be a threat. But this Carolina team, Looks like they can be pretty good. And, you know, after their Super Bowl uh, team, you know, of course they didn't win. But they have not looked the same, you know, after that. So, you know, the fact that they're 5-2 right now on the season, I think that's good for them. And I think they'll continue, especially coming back like they did against the reigning Super Bowl champs. That gives them high morals. And I think they'll definitely uh, keep moving on this season. And again, Philadelphia... I still think they're good teams. So Philadelphia fans, they don't need to worry. I think they'll I think they'll definitely pull it out. Some other games. Patriots at Chicago. That was a pretty fun game, but the Pats, you know, Chicago almost beat them, but the Patriots coming out on top 38 to 31. And here's what stuck sucks for the the Chicago Bears. They so it was 30-31, you know, last uh, like five to six seconds. And uh, Mitchell Trubisky throws it, a Hail Mary. Receiver gets it on the one-yard line, but the Patriots stop him. That has to suck. You know, I know if I did that on Madden, I would be so mad. So the fact that that happened in real life and... You know, he got it on the one-yard line and just couldn't push it for that game-tying touchdown. That that has to really suck. 
But nonetheless, seriously, Chicago is still a good team, and they're still, especially with their defense. Their defense is pretty monstrous. Especially, you know, the fact they're led by Khalil Mack, and that was a big pickup. Uh, you know, before the before the season started, and he's really leading that Chicago Bears defense, and they're pretty dang good. So I I still think that the main I. You know, I've said this since uh, episode one. I think Chicago can be a playoff team, and I think they will be. And they'll definitely be uh, a team to look out for, especially as Mitchell Trubisky uh, continues to develop into a uh, a really good quarterback. And he had an okay game, I would say, against New England, throwing for 333 yards and two touchdowns. He was a monster. And also, on the rushing game, he was their leading rusher, six carries, 81 yards. And a touchdown. And Trey Burton leading the way for their receiving core. Nine catches, 126 yards, and a touchdown. So they had a fairly good offensive day. And, of course, you have New England. Tom Brady finishing with 277 yards and three touchdowns. James White adding 40 yards on the rush. And also through the air, eight catches, 57 yards, and two TDs. And Josh Gordon. Getting more touches, not much, but he's making most of it. Four catches, a hundred yards. So I think Josh Gordon really is becoming slowly a a a big part for this New England offense. And if he can keep it together, what a weapon he will be for Tom Brady and the Patriots. And after that one or two start, I said I I think the Patriots don't count him out. And now that loss boosts them up to a five and two record, and they're looking pretty, pretty, pretty in the AFC East. So again, you never want to count out Tom Brady and the Patriots. Some other games that happened around the league: the Denver came to Arizona and whooped them forty-five to ten. Josh Rosen not having that good of a game, and he's he's kind of struggling as a rookie quarterback. But usually most Rookie quarterbacks struggle most, and he's one. He's just one of them. But I still think he can be really good. Seriously, watch out for him. I think he could develop into a really good NFL quarterback. Tennessee playing the the L.A. Chargers in London. That was an early game. You had to wake up early in the morning to watch that game. But the Chargers pulled it out, twenty to nineteen. It was a pretty good game. Philip Rivers having another good game. He's a really solid this season. And Tennessee, they had a decent start to the season. And I still think that they're good. It's just too inconsistent, and they, they still have a lot to work on, especially with their running game. Vikings traveling. They took on the Jets, beating them 37-7 to once again. Uh, Kirk Cousins having another good game. And Adam Thielen, the man, is an absolute workhorse and a monster on the receiving end. And we'll talk more about him later. The Lions traveling to take on Miami. Lions pulling that one out 32-21. Bills tra- took on, traveled to took on the Coats, with the Coats destroying them 37-5. The Bills have been a laughing stock, quite honestly. But, you know, we'll see how Josh Allen does as quarterback. And, you know, uh, McC- uh, uh, M- M- McCoy is still, you know, He's a solid running back in this league, but 
he's only he's getting older, so they they probably have to you know they'll have to focus on that too. But another game, Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Texans defense looking pretty stellar, beating them twenty to seven. The five and the now five and one New Orleans Saints barely beating the Baltimore Ravens twenty four to twenty three. Drew Brees solid game, two hundred twelve yards, two TDs, and on the season completing seventy seven percent of his passes at age thirty nine. I think that's pretty good, considering he's thirty nine and putting up those numbers, and still being a really consistent quarterback with. No interceptions so far this season. Definitely be on the lookout for him to be the NFL, or you know, at least be in the talks for the NFL MVP. But uh, in the Baltimore, you know, they got a touchdown. Looked like they're going to tie it and go into overtime, but their kicker, Tucker. He has been one of the NFL's most consistent kickers. He has he had never missed a PAT. And in the most crucial moment where they really needed that that extra point, he misses it. Which that's absolutely that's just bonkers. I mean, that sucks for the Ravens, but nonetheless it happens. It happened. And the Saints put it out. And now the Saints are five and one. They're looking like a pretty good team. And I think, uh, along with the Rams, I think the Saints are. I think they're a dangerous team. I really do, uh, especially with Drew Brees playing like he is and all the offensive weapons that he has around him. Be uh, I could. I think we can potentially see a Rams versus Saints NFC Championship game. I definitely be definitely think about that. And I think that can definitely happen. Dallas traveled to take on the Redskins, but the Redskins pulled that one out 21 to 17 to move to a 4 and 2 record. LA Rams crushing the 49ers 39 to 10. My Bengals getting crushed by the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night 45 to 10. Andy Dalton did not have a very good game, only threw for 148 yards and adding a touchdown and interception. Not really good. Joe Mixon had 50 yards on the ground, but A.J. Green still had a very solid game with seven catches and 117 yards, uh, accumulating most of the, the passing yards from Andy Dalton. And the thing that worries me about the most about this Bengals team is that they have weapons around them, I just hope it doesn't turn into the previous two years where, and also back in the 2014 season, where this offense is really stagnant and they're not really doing anything and only passing it to one guy, which is, who is A.J. Green. So they definitely have to, you know, losing Tyre Eifert, they, they have gotten to, you know, be used to not having him because he's been injured for the, for the, the majority of the past two to uh, three years. So, they really have to work on getting more of their weapons in the game. And, you know, they were start out 4-1, losing two straight games uh, to the Steelers and to, you know, now to the Kansas City Chiefs, dropping them to 4-3. They're still above 500, and they're still doing better than 
what I expected from them, but they still have a lot to work to do, a lot of work to do, and can they make the playoffs? I don't know. Anything can happen, but you know the NFL can be unpredictable. So we'll definitely see for the Bengals. You know, me being a Bengals fan, I I hope that they made the playoffs, but I can't get my hopes high, especially for the Bengals. And Patrick Mahomes had another outstanding game, going 28 for 39, 358 yards and adding four touchdowns. The man has been an absolute monster and definitely leading the, the race for the NFL MVP. Kareem Hunt had a solid game, and he had a, if you haven't seen it yet, the man had a, a Madden 18, a Madden 19, uh, a video game move, destroyed that Cincinnati defense, 15 carries, 86 yards, adding a touchdown, and Travis Kelsey was the leading receiver for the Kansas City offense, 5 catches, 95 yards, and Tyreek Hill also adding 7 catches, 68 yards, and 2 TDs, so there were some games that happened uh, this week, and uh, just going on to some NFL news before I get to the predictions, uh, Amari Cooper was traded from the Oakland Raiders to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Dallas Cowboys, they they really needed someone, especially on the receiving core, to and, and getting Amari Cooper, that's great for him. Uh, his first two years in the league, accumulating over 1,000 yards uh, passing or, uh, you know, and passing yards. And he's played pretty, he, as a rookie, he played good. His sophomore year in the NFL, he played really good. Last year, he kind of had a, not really a down year. He just wasn't used as much. And, of course, injuries, you know, took him out of a couple games last year. But still, he is one of the, you know, NFL's best receivers. He's not top five, but he's still a very good receiver. And Dallas needed that after they released Des Bryant. Uh, Colt Beasley is not performing like he usually is, and he's getting older. Uh, Taven, uh, Taven Austin, you know, he's still, I mean, he's probably the best, uh, receiver that, that Dallas has right now. So getting Amari Cooper, that's going to be a big help for this Dallas Cowboys offense, especially, uh, an offense that has looked stagnant at some times and hasn't looked that good. Aside from, uh, Aside from Ezekiel Elliott, uh, I mean, their passing game has not looked good. And, again, getting Amari Cooper should definitely help out Dak Prescott's passing game. And, you know, just in general, the Oakland Raiders are just doing stupid stuff. Uh, You know, before the season, of course, trading away Khalil Mack, that was their first mistake. And now they're really regretting it as they are 1-5. And now trading... Uh, Amari Cooper, um, you know, just looking at this, you know, the, you look at these two trades and you think, hey, they got a new coach, John Gruden, and they're trying to rebuild. But really, I mean, Khalil Mack is still young. He, you know, early 20s. Uh, Amari Cooper, still very young, only 24. And granted, they did get first round picks out of that. But with the first round pick, are they going to get guys that are as good as Kuo Mack, that are as good as Amari Cooper? I don't know. And, and 
you know, just thinking about it, they're really not rebuilding. They had a chance to be a good team this year. You know, especially under their uh, new head coach, John Gruden. And he has not done a good job with them so far. And then you have David Carr coming out and saying that he loves to be a Raider. But, I mean, with the way this season's gone, don't be surprised if they end up trading uh, Derek Carr. I mean, I mean, I you know, I believe him when he says that uh, he loves being a Raider. But, you know, again, they've been trading away people. But, you know, the trade deadline is next week. So definitely, I mean, definitely to see uh, to see if Oakland makes any trades. Not sure if they will, but we'll definitely see. And again, just, you know, the Oakland, I don't think they're, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they're trying to rebuild. But I don't think they are, and they're only getting worse. And they looked like, you know, such a promising team a couple years ago, and Derek Carr had a, a very MVP caliber season up until he, uh, he, uh, he broke his leg. But... You know, it's just disappointing because, you know, the, the the Oakland Raiders were looking pretty solid. And now they're reduced to this. No Quill Mac trading away a key component to their defense and now trading a key component to their offense with, you know, Amari Cooper. So, you know, Oakland moves. Well, I mean, the Raiders will eventually move to Las Vegas. Maybe that will help. I mean, you never know, especially with the NFL, but the, needless to say, this Oakland Raiders team this season has not looked good, and John Gruden's, you know, after being away for so long from coaching, you know, just, you know, just the only word you could say is a, it's just a big disappointment, and Raiders are just, you know, continuing to struggle. And another team that's continuing continuing to struggle, the New York Giants. They have, uh, you know, they just traded away Eli Apple to the Saints uh, yesterday, and today they traded away another player. So, again, the trade deadline, the trade deadline is next week. And really, you know, like I said, the Giants are another team that have struggled, and they have... Just their offense has not looked great. Their defense hasn't looked great. And Peyton, uh, Eli Manning uh, just came out, at, you know, with their trading away players. He's 37, only getting older. And, you know, they uh, they definitely have they have key components on their offense. You know, really good weapons. Uh, you have Odo Beckham Jr. You have, uh, have Shepard, uh, Evan Ingram. Now, you know, running back Saquon Barkley has looked really good as a, you know, the net, one of the next big NFL running backs. So they have pieces. It's just Eli Manning has not looked very confident, and he has not put together, a, you know, just a solid team for, this, um, for the Giants. And he, no matter how, um, he's just, just struggling. And... Odo Beckham has been pissed off. I mean, he's he's let out his frustrations with the team. And, you know, I don't blame him, honestly. I mean, I love Eli Manning. I love the Manning brothers. But there's 
comes a certain point in time where you just have to say, you know what, we're going to move forward. And I, I think the Giants are going to stick with Eli for the rest of the season. But, uh, I mean, because the backup that they have, I mean, they got rid of Davis uh, Webb before the season, which was a big shock, shocker. Because, I mean, he looked like he could be potentially overtaking the starting spot for from when Eli Manning finally retires, but then they release him. Which was, you know, again, that was a shocker. But you know, I I can't even remember their backup's name, and so they they don't. They I mean they pretty much have no choice but to keep Eli Manning for the rest of the season and see how it plays out. But honestly, the Giants, they should be better than what they are, especially with the type of offense they have. They have a lot of weapons, and they are struggling to use them. And they're going to keep on struggling, and right. I mean, right now they're one and six. They're another laughing stock team of the NFL. And you know, Eli Manning. You know, in my opinion, he deserves to be, you know, with the Giants his re- the rest of his career. He, he this man got the Giants two Super Bowl championships against two very good Tom Brady led New England Patriot teams. So he definitely deserves a lot of credit, and he definitely deserves, you know, to be in the Hall of Fame one day, and to be, he should still be in the hearts of many uh, uh, Giants fans. And he just came out yesterday saying uh, that, you know, you know, not only the fact that you know he has a no trade clause, but you know he's coming out and saying that, you know. He couldn't see himself in, in any other organization. It would be weird. And, you know, the New York Giants is the only team he's known, and he loves and he loves it there. So I definitely think that, you know, definitely for the rest of the season, I don't know what's going to happen in the offseason, but Eli Manning is still going to uh, continue to be the Giants quarterback. And, you know, right now, 1-6. I, I think the playoffs are pretty much out of the questions for him. But... You know, we'll see, and we'll see if they can get their offense going. I mean, they kept it close with Atlanta, which was pretty impressive, in my opinion. But, you know, like I said, we'll see. And so for uh, for some, uh, actually, Adam Thielen, is he becoming a top five wide receiver in this league? And I, you know, to be 100% honest with you guys, I think he is. I mean, just through uh, six or seven games so far this season, 67 catches to go along with 822 yards and five touchdowns. And believe it or not, he's on pace to break Marvin Harrison's record. With uh, He's on pace to have 153 catches, over 1,800 yards, and also 11 touchdowns. So, I don't know about you guys and what you guys think, but I seriously think Adam Thielen from the the Minnesota Vikings, he's he's becoming the NFL's one of the top wide receivers and he definitely deserves all the money in the world because he is he's such a workhorse and you know every single game you know he's going to give you 110% and he's definitely, you know, you know, he had a solid season last year, but getting 
Kirk Cousins. The Vikings getting him, that was big time. Because Kirk Cousins didn't have a lot of offensive weapons when he was at Washington. Other than maybe Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Jackson. So, the fact that, you know, the Vikings have Adam Thielen. They have Stephon Diggs. You know, Dalvin Cook still needs to work at being a running back, but he can still be a very good running back in this league. They have all these weapons that, you know, he really didn't have at Washington. And that's why uh, the, the Minnesota Vikings are doing really good so far this season. It's because of getting Kirk Cousins and getting, uh, you know, getting Adam Thielen the ball more, getting Stephon Diggs the ball. I mean, and also... Uh, uh, Rudolph, uh, Kevin Rudolph, too. I mean, they have looked outstanding. Their offense has looked really good. And, again, I don't know if they're going to be, you know, a threat in the playoffs. And I think they'll make the playoffs. But, I mean, again, the playoffs can be so unpredictable. But I still think that, you know, honestly, you know, thinking about it, Vikings definitely, for years to come, a team to look out for. So to go to some uh, predictions for uh, this Sunday's and Monday's uh, and Thursday NFL games. You have Miami traveling to take on the Texans, which Miami looked good in the first part of the season. But also, you know, Deshaun Watson has also surprised me quite a bit. So I, I think the Texans will pull out that win. You have Philadelphia, Jacksonville. Jacksonville, of course, just recently picking up Carlos Hyde, but their quarterback situation has been an issue. So I think Philadelphia will come into Jacksonville and pull out that win, especially I think Carson Wentz will, you know, I think Carson Wentz will have a good day against Jalen Ramsey and the Jacksonville defense. Denver traveling to take on Kansas City. Now this is a very interesting game considering that, you know, Denver's known for their defense. But I think Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, I think it's going to have another good game. And I think Kansas City pulls that one out. Browns at Pittsburgh, that's going to be my upset for the week. You know, of course, Pittsburgh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger has looked pretty good this season. Antonio Brown has looked good. Juju Smith-Schuster has looked also looked pretty good. And James Conner, their backup running back until, you know, whenever Le'Veon Bell gets back, has also looked uh as also also looked great too, so you know this this Pittsburgh Steelers offense has looked good. However, the Browns, you know, they're on the up and up for sure, and Baker Mayfield's looking pretty good. But you know, my upset for the week, I think the Browns, I think they're going to beat the Steelers. Washington at New York Giants, uh, I think you know, going back to what I said about New York, they they definitely have a lot to work on, and they definitely need to feel confident. And I think they're a better team than what has been shown. And Washington, they're 4-2. and two. And picking up Adrian Peterson in the offseason, that was a pretty good pickup. And he's still a decent running back in this league. And, you know, like I said, Washington, 4-2 record. Kind of surprising some people. But I think, uh, I think Washington will pull out this win. You know, I think New York's going to continue to struggle. And Washington's going to, they're definitely going to take advantage of that. Seattle at Detroit. This is an interesting game, but I think Seattle will. I think they'll pull this one out. The Bucks at my Cincinnati Bengals. This is a tough one because I really want to choose Cincinnati, 
and the Buccaneers have looked, you know, they're pulling out a pretty good, a big win uh, last week. However, I mean, I think Cincinnati, you know, they kind of surprised me, and they're, this is going to be the first game where I pick Cincinnati over the opposing team, surprisingly. But I think Cincinnati, I think they'll come back, you know, really mad from losing the way they did against Kansas City for not putting up a, a bigger fight. I think I think they'll, you know, they'll, uh, you know, they'll be kings of the their home, and I think they'll they'll definitely defend their place against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. New York Jets travel and take on Chicago Bears again. Chicago has looked a lot better than previous seasons. Defense, of course, has gotten better with the addition of Khalil Mack. And Trubisky is only getting better as an NFL quarterback. So I definitely think he'll, he will lead the way against the New York Jets and win that game. Ravens, the Ravens at the Carolina Panthers. Interesting game. Another one. Ravens have been inconsistent. They have had games where they looked pretty good and then games where they kind of look stagnant. But I think, uh, I, you know, I think I'm going to have to pick Carolina for this one. You know, Carolina... Coming off a big, a uh, seventeen point comeback, and I definitely think that's going to motivate them more. And I think they'll, I think they'll pull it off against the the Baltimore Ravens. Indiana, Indianapolis traveling to take on the Raiders. We all know how the Raiders are doing. You know, not that good. In Indiana, uh, Indianapolis. Sorry, uh, they've you know Andrew Luck coming back from his injuries has had games where he looked good, and then games where he's looked you know, awful, but, you know, he threw four touchdowns last week, I think that's going to continue, and I think Indianapolis is going to uh, pull that one out, San Francisco at Arizona, you know, San Francisco has not, even though they almost pulled it out against uh, the Green Bay Packers, they haven't looked the same since losing Jimmy uh, G, so I think Arizona, I think they'll pull out that win, I think Josh Rosen will play a better game than he ha- uh, than he has been the previous games. Green Bay at the LA Rams. And this is very, very interesting because the Rams are still undefeated. And Green Bay is still, as always, a solid team. However, as much, you know, as good as Aaron Rodgers is in today's NFL. I think the Rams, I think they'll pull this one out. Todd Gurley will have a big game. Jared Goff will continue to be great. And I think the by the end of this game, the LA Rams will definitely be undefeated still. Yeah, the Saints at the Vikings. This is another interesting game as both are having a fairly solid season. Drew Brees being good as always. And of course Kirk Cousins having a solid season, especially with and with Adam Thielen as well. But I think the Saints are gonna win. I really do, and I think the Saints and I think Drew Brees will continue to lead this team. And uh, at his, you know, age thirty nine, and I think uh, Alvin Kamara will have a good game. Michael Thomas will have a good game. Just getting his other weapons in the game, I really think that Drew Brees and this offense have the potential to shred this Minnesota defense. And I mean, a key for Minnesota is definitely being able to keep up with them on both sides, offensively and defensively. But I still think uh, the New Orleans Saints will pull that one out. And, of course, last game, Monday night game, New England at Buffalo Bills. Need I say more? The Bills have been one of two teams that have been a laughing stock so far in this NFL season. And 
the Patriots have come back after a 1-2 and two start to play pretty good football, and Tom Brady is definitely going to lead this New England team again and lead them to a victory against the Buffalo Bills. So that wraps up this first segment for the NFL on the Man Cave Sports Podcast. In the next segment, Tim joins me again over the phone from Shelbyville, Kentucky to talk about some college football and some Heisman standings, the what to expect for the college football playoffs, uh, where Kelly Bryant might potentially end up, and also, I'm going to hit Tim with some unexpected trivia questions. That and much more next on the Man Cave Sports Podcast. Welcome back, guys. It's the second segment of the Man Cave Sports Podcast. With me, as always, is Tim there was, there was uh, you know, last week when we did the pregame and postgame show, and, you know, last week there turned out to be a couple good games. UK and Vandy, no matter how ugly it was, turned out to be an okay game in the end. And, of course, we have Ohio State losing in a big upset against Purdue, which kind of shifted the, the, college football play, uh, the college football playoff rankings. And speaking of the, the rankings, the uh, – their rankings are actually next Tuesday, I believe, is when they released their first poll for that. So we have that to look forward to, and I have my kind of my idea of who it's going to be in the end. But I mean, of course, a lot of things can happen. So, absolutely. Um, so just uh, some games this week that uh, that are looking to be pretty good. Uh, I think. Uh, you know, this one's kind of interesting, but you have Clemson traveling to take on Florida State. Now, of course, Florida State didn't have a, a good start to the season, but, you know, they're 4-3 and three right now. I mean, do you think there's any chance that Florida State beats Clemson? No way. They get crushed. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean – well, let Clemson's me tell you, I'll, I'll give you a little why I think that way. Um, the main reason is Florida State uh, tends to be make a lot of turnovers. And Clemson has a type of defense that can take advantage of that. On top of that, they have a great offense as well. So, you know, you put those two combinations together, it's not going to look pretty, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Especially the past couple of weeks, Clemson's offense has looked, you know, they've looked really good, especially with their freshman quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, putting on a pretty good season. So, you know, I, you know, I, I thought NC State and Clemson was going to be a close game, and I'm not ready to think that Florida State's going to uh, beat Clemson. And definitely, I think Clemson, I think they'll pull that one out. Uh, and our game of the week, and it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Florida traveling to take on uh, Georgia. And I think that's going to be a very interesting game. And honestly, it can really shift how the the SEC East goes for the rest of the season. Yes, and I, I definitely think it's going to be huge because once, uh, you know, Georgia recovering from a, a – Huge loss. I mean, they they really 
got dominated and to see how they react, um, you know, after the big loss to play Florida. They are at home, so that does help. But I definitely think that uh, Florida is somebody to be reckoned with. You know, their one big loss is against UK. Which and- now, of course, it doesn't look like that doesn't look like that bad of a loss. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if Florida somehow pulls out the game against Georgia, um, you know, they, they could be looking at possibly winning the division or at least tying and losing the tie to UK, but you know, UK still got to win some games too, but I definitely think it's a good indicator of, you know, the East division, and where it's going to stand. I think it's definitely going to clear up a lot of things. If Georgia wins, then you got, you know, the big clash between Georgia and Kentucky ultimately probably would be for the East title. So um, I'm looking forward to this game. Definitely going to keep up with it. And um, it's definitely going to be a good game. Yeah. And it's good offense too. I mean, both teams put up some decent numbers in the offensive category. Um, so definitely the key, uh, I think the key for Florida is their defense. Yes. Because while, while Georgia did take a hit in the off season, you know, losing two senior running backs and they also lost a lot on the defensive end as well, but they've, they've, their, their running back, uh, I think his name is Elijah Holyfield. Guess who his dad is? Oh, um, it's Evander Holyfield. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was a f- yeah, George's running back's father is Vander Holyfield, and but anyways, he's had a pretty good season. He's had a really underrated season, to be to be uh, to be fair. And you know, of course, a key part for this for this game is Florida is if their defense can keep that up because we we saw with LSU, if you have a d- good defense, this Georgia team can be shut down. Yes. Yes, and and they can also be scored against too, which is uh, got to be a big concern of theirs. So if they do find themselves, you know, uh, getting shut down a little bit on the offensive end, then their defense is going to be in trouble. I think it's the more time they spend out on the, the field, um, they start making mistakes, big plays, and and so on. At least against LSU, that definitely happened. And, uh, but, you know, LSU is, you know, we know is a great team. So um, I think that's been proven now. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll definitely, like I said, it's a very, very much looking forward to the game and see how they react to each other. And also a really good insight into the SEC East, which ironically is the toughest division in the S I mean of the toughest uh, division in the SEC because you know you have Alabama on the other side just dominating everything and it's pretty much covered yeah yeah in the the West there's also some implications too when they play Alabama in the championship let's oh yeah I mean Alabama makes it LSU doesn't Uh, oh yeah you have these East teams beating up on each other they're you know they're they're seeing tougher defenses and things like that so when they play each other it ought to be interesting to see if that that has any uh, you know helps them any to face such a juggernaut like 
Alabama. You know, we'll see. Right. Yeah. Well, let me ask you something. Would you rather Georgia beat Florida or would you rather Florida beat Georgia? Oh. Because I, 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 I asked I asked Gavin this uh, earlier this week. I, I'll tell you this said, right now. I'll tell he you. He said that. he would rather have Georgia win. Yeah, uh, from a football standpoint, from general fans across the board, Georgia winning and then playing Kentucky, both teams with one loss, would be awesome. Um, you know, so I, I definitely think that. Uh, that would be the better scenario. However, I certainly do think that if Florida, if Florida pulls off the upset against Georgia, um, that would definitely really kind of scramble everything in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, with if Georgia loses, if that's a big if, then that would put Kentucky ahead of the SEC East. Yes, and and with the tiebreak going to Kentucky because they beat Florida earlier, so, which help helps them out a lot too. Absolutely. So you know, from a Kentucky fan, I could see okay, let's have Florida beat Georgia. Um, but you know, from a perspective of just pure football, um, enjoying the game, big. You know, we all love big games, and uh, a Georgia versus a Kentucky with one loss, hopefully both you know, get there, that would definitely be huge. It would be huge for Kentucky football, too, in the fact that they're going so late in the season and they're having such a huge showdown with a major uh, program that, that's, you know, a, a, you know, an elite football program um, in the SEC. So it, it would definitely be a better scenario all around, I think. Yeah, I mean, especially – I mean – if Georgia loses, they're just going to come back uh, pissed off against Kentucky, which that yeah. won't be. That, of course, that won't be good. Yeah, uh, I don't. I would. I wouldn't want Kentucky to play a pissed off Georgia team. I, I agree but, with that too. And you know, there there's a lot of things that go into, you know, how you would handle a team that's down two losses when you know they're good, and you know, and to mentally prepare because. You know, uh, it's like Auburn in the beginning of this season. You know, everybody thought they were going to be, you know, the, also then with Alabama. I mean, I mean, with Auburn, there's a, there were a lot of people before the season thinking that they were going to be a, a, a possible playoff contender. Yeah, and that's what I meant also with Alabama. <laughs> you know, so it, it's interesting how that um, – because Alabama was a big unknown. You know, no one thought that Tua would just tear it up like he did. I mean, they knew he was good, but not that good, you know. Right, and that's what I said on the the, the post-game show on Saturday is I I think that people were expecting him to be good, but, you know, not Heisman caliber good. You know what I mean? So Two-seasoned Heisman caliber now. Yeah. That's how great he's playing this year. He's hands down, to me – if things keep going the way they're going for him, for him not to win the Heisman would be like, I mean, it would be huge, you know. Um, yeah, can, he's putting up, he's, I mean, just looking at his stats, he's completing 70% of his passes with uh, 2,066 passing yards, 
25, 25 touchdowns, zero interceptions. And he's doing, let's just, you know, he's doing all of this work pretty much in the first freaking half. Yeah. I mean, that's just mind-blowing. All I got to say is, does he have a little brother, and can we sign him in Kentucky? But, uh, That'd be, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's um, – he, he's he's an amazing player. And, um, you know, it, it, after seven or eight games, and he's consistently played that way, you know, I mean, that that's just something special. Right, I mean, there there hasn't been one game where you could point out a single flaw. I I mean, you know, like you said, it's kind of hard to because he's out, you know, so early in the game. And how that's going to play later on in the season, he's going to be well rested. And, you know, we're in SEC now, so they have a championship game on top of everything else. And then – into the playoffs. So they, they're really playing in some cases, two games more than, I mean, at least one game more than uh, some other teams. So, you know, uh, a team like Notre Dame would have an advantage in that type of situation, you know, say they make it, they don't have that extra game, that playoff game they have to play. They just have to sit back, watch the SEC championship or whoever they're playing ACC or whatever, and then, you know, adjust accordingly. So, you know, Alabama and Tua just, just incredibly, they're really fun to watch. And Oh, oh yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, they're on an Island of their own. They're, you know, way ahead of everybody, of course. And, you know, this, you know, I've said this before, this Alabama team is different than other Alabama teams. It's, and the fact that they actually have a solid quarterback and they're running they have a, a pretty much a three headed rushing attack on the rush for the their rushing backs. The wide receivers are pretty good. There's so they're I mean their offense is not just one sided. It's it's everybody. And the same thing goes for their defense as well. Yeah, and it ought to be interesting. And, you know, we were talking about the unknowns there. If they do find themselves in a close game, how will Tua react? In other words, will he feel rushed? Things like that. Now, this may never happen. They may just cruise on through SEC championship and go through the playoffs. But, you know, with SEC championship and the playoffs, that's probably not going to happen. He's going to be put to the test. Um, hopefully it will be because otherwise it would be boring. But if he's put to the test and, you know, it ought to be interesting to see how he reacts. He's still young. He's only a sophomore, um, you know, no, not and hasn't been prepared because most of the games that they play have not been close. You know, we do have an LSU game coming up that would be a good uh, indicator of, you know, just how good this team is. No, we we know it's good, but I mean, is it great? In other words, if they play LSU and they just dominate them, you know, um, it ought to be interesting. So, yeah, I, I think so too. And uh, another interesting game I found this week is Appalachian State taking on Georgia Southern. I'm I'm just kidding. We're not talking about Appalachian State or Georgia Southern. 
They, Appalachian can, State is 25th now. So. They are, which, is, you know, it kind of makes me bad because uh, our University of Hawaii Rainbow Warriors uh, definitely deserve uh, to be in the top 25. If Appalachian State's number 25, how yeah. come? Because you know they're in a shit conference too. So yeah. why can't – why isn't Hawaii getting any votes to be in the top 25? I don't know. I but don't know. I, don't, I, I don't know. But anyways, no, we're, we're not talking about a, you know, an Appalachian State team. But uh, but seriously, an interesting game I think is going to be Notre Dame at Navy. Yeah, I, re- I really think that's going to be an interesting game. I mean, I think Notre Dame will win. But Navy, considering it's at Navy, I think they could definitely have the chance to uh, make it interesting. Well, this this naval this uh, the Navy team has kind of struggled a bit uh, this year, so I, I tend to think that Notre Dame's going to kind of clean their clocks a little bit. I may be wrong, but uh, you know they um, most of the teams that they played at this point were not anywhere into the uh, stratosphere of Notre Dame, you know, so I, you know, I would keep my eyes open. I think you're right about the, uh, you know, the home field advantage, so to speak, that can be, that's a great crowd, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, you have all the, the, I mean, it's, it's pretty, their, their, their field is pretty cool. I mean, and with all their student, the, you know, as soon as a part of the Navy, I mean, it's, I mean, they had a, the, I mean, the Army Navy game uh, had Donald Trump in there. They, have, they usually have presidents yeah. that come. So, I mean, I still think it's going to be an interesting game. But, you know, like you said, they haven't really played anyone that's on the, you know, the, the stratosphere of where Notre Dame is. So there's also a lot, definitely a lot of potential for Navy to struggle. And Navy also, they run the triple off offense which again i think that's going to make it interesting but you know we'll see and you know we know that notre dame is pretty they're pretty solid this year well and and just a a little bit of a note on navy they are uh ranked ninth in the country in rushing so you know i i would you know just on that stat alone they got to establish that rush and uh, and see, you know, how well they can run against Notre Dame. The only problem is, is that Notre Dame is, you know, pretty much keeping everybody under 20 points in every game that they play. All right. Yeah, that's yeah. very – yep. And they're going to have to win, you know, by putting points on the board. And when you have a rushing game – um, you tend not to score as much as a, obviously a passing game. So, you know, running up a, a 20 plus score against a Notre Dame team that averages well over 20 points a game, it's going to be difficult to do, but you know, we'll see. Um, like I said, home field advantage definitely will, will play a, a factor in it, but you know, if Notre Dame comes out strong home field advantage kind of works against you a little bit because everybody becomes quiet and it kind of spreads to the team and they give up a little bit. So, Oh yeah. Uh, so the last game that's, you know, of course, say the best for last UK Wildcats. Uh, they're traveling, uh, taking on the Missouri Tigers, a Missouri team that's very underrated in my opinion. 
they've lost they lost a couple of close ones and you know of course losing to Georgia but and losing to Alabama which was expected but so this is a very very underrated Missouri team uh, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the nation with Drew Locke, who's he has 19, over 1,900 passing yards in the season, 16 touchdowns. But, I mean, we've seen from UK's defense their ability to shut down opposing quarterbacks. I mean, honestly, uh, last week against Vanderbilt, uh, Kyle Shermer had, was probably the best quarterback that has played against Kentucky so far. But other than that, I mean, we've seen UK's defense able to shut down uh, – uh, opposing quarterbacks so i mean that's that's definitely going to be a key factor or one of the key factors i think is can their defense you know shut them down yeah and i definitely think that this is going to be another game where we're going to sweat a little bit uh, i definitely think that's going to happen hopefully not like last week where there was a lot of mistakes made and you basically trying to recover from the mistakes. But without mistakes, I definitely think this is going to be a game that we're going to sweat a little bit because, you know, it's going to be proven again that, you know, hopefully Kentucky proves us wrong in this area. But they're not really putting up games in the quarterback position, the numbers in the in a quarterback position, as you know, and uh, Missouri, on the other hand, is kind of, they have a problem that we wish we had. I mean, that you know, they, they have a thing going for them that we wish we had, and that is, you know, they have a solid quarterback who puts up some incredible numbers, and, you know, we'll see how Kentucky reacts to it. Now, um, my question is, and I'm not real familiar with Taylor Powell's much, but um, is he a scrambling quarterback? Drew Locke. Drew Locke, excuse me. I, I don't know Taylor Powell. I'm, I'm looking at something else, but uh, uh, Drew Locke. Uh, Drew Locke, he's not really – he's definitely a passer. Okay. Okay. So so, so he's a pocket guy, and that, that could bode well for Kentucky as well. Um, yeah, uh, last year as a junior, he threw for over 40 touchdowns. Yeah. But he only completed around 59% of his passes, or even yeah, so below that. So he may not be the stat- most accurate quarterback. Yeah, I'm looking at the stat line. He's got 16 TDs and six interceptions. Um, it looks like that, uh, you know, that's a pretty high TD to interception ratio. Um, but he's still putting up phenomenal numbers. I said 1979. That's that's a lot of yards. But his completion percentage is not. I mean, it's okay. It's 61. percent uh, Could be a little bit better. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's better than what it was last year. Yeah. But he's so, still. I mean, but he's also on a team that has to kind of force things a little bit too. You know. So I mean, it, that's the thing. You really can't judge a quarterback and how good they are. Um, necessarily because of, of the team that they're playing on. You know, they find themselves down. He finds himself taking more risks and throwing interceptions and things like that. And I, I definitely think if Kentucky can come out, put some numbers on the board, uh, they could control this game uh, pretty much from the start. However, if Missouri comes out and they drive down the field, they're going to be trouble. I definitely think they will be. And, uh, 
Yeah. Also, considering it's you know it's at Missouri, yeah. that also plays a big factor. Yeah, I definitely think that will. And you know, uh, you know, you talked about UK's quarterback, uh, Terry Wilson. You know, definitely, there's a lot of questions about him that have been raised over the past two to three weeks. And you know, my question for him is, I mean, can he have another good game? Because he's going to have to have a game in order for Kentucky to beat Missouri this week. He's going to have to have a game like he had against Florida, where he was aggressive and he looked really good. And he showed the reason why Mark Stoops started him over everybody else. And, you know, another question is, can he be aggressive? Because like I said, I mean, Benny's going to have to good ga- have a good game, and I think that's going to happen. I mean, Benny's going to be Benny. But... Terry Wilson has to do more, especially in this game and also when they played Georgia. And this is a, you know, this is this is a, a must-win game for Kentucky in my eyes. Because if Kentucky loses this game, yeah. I mean, their chances of getting in, of course, getting to the, the SEC championship are pretty much next to none. I agree. I, I think any loss at this point, because – you have Florida squaring off with Georgia. One of them's going to win. One of them's going to have two losses. One of them's going to have one loss. If it is Florida that beats Georgia and Kentucky loses this week, it's done. You know, it just is because then you got Georgia and Kentucky playing each other, both with two losses, right? So it, it definitely puts Florida in the driver's seat, so to speak. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about that, you know, that kind of situation. Uh, but I, you know, with the caveat that, um, Kentucky wins out, you know, we can talk about Georgia, but they can't look past Missouri and, you know, Missouri, you know, we, we've had some exciting, uh, you know, last, you know, quarter excitement with them and, uh, and they, they definitely can, put some numbers up, and they are dangerous. I, I definitely think any team in the SEC other than maybe Alabama uh, would be concerned. I mean, they should show a little concern with this team. Yeah, I mean, it definitely this is not a slouch game by any means where Kentucky can come in and say, yeah, we got this in a bag. I mean, yeah. we it, this is not that game. And definitely, I mean – this is this is definitely a, a must win for Kentucky, and if they want any chance of making it to the the SEC championship game. So well, here's an interesting fact too: September twenty second, they played Georgia. They lost forty three to twenty nine. So, which was a game I watched, and I thought, you know, I thought Missouri was going to be able to come back, but they also they kind of shot themselves in the foot. And Georgia was – they were able to take advantage of all of uh, Missouri's miscues. Yeah, and so for us as Kentucky fans, we can look at that game and say, okay, when we play Missouri, we can kind of compare apples to apples a little bit and see, you know, are we going to be able to put up a fight against Georgia? Not to say that we can. I think we can. It's just we get a real-world comparison of a similar adversary and see how we play them. Georgia scored a lot, and so did Missouri. So what if this game is a 7-3 game? You know, it, it definitely has some interesting 
scenarios, you know, where if Kentucky and Missouri is a low scoring game and the Georgia Missouri game was a high scoring game, you know, so you're getting an idea that maybe Georgia can be touched a little bit on the defensive side. And, you know, and not only that, but maybe Georgia can, uh, you know, Kentucky's defense will play a lar- even larger role than it already is um, in winning a game against Georgia. So I definitely think it's a very interesting thing. I'm glad we're playing Missouri. They're going to be tough. And I definitely think that uh, it's a team that, you know, they got some <laughs> – I don't know if you've looked into their passing yards, their total yards per game. I mean, their total yards per game is 501 yards. Now, this team can score. So, you're you're having a really good offensive team against a really great defensive team. And, we'll and see I mean, Like I said, we, we've seen in the past, especially against a, a team like Mississippi State. I mean, granted, that was, at, that was at Kroger Field in Lexington. But UK's defense was, you know, they were smothering in that game against a, a highly touted Mississippi State offense. So that's just, you know, for a key for Kentucky's defense is to create chaos. Yes. I think and for, for this. definitely plays into that scenario too. Yeah, you're going to have to create turnovers like, uh, like Georgia did. Yeah. And, you know, of course, like I said, offense, feed Benny the ball. And if not, Terry Wilson, you better throw the goddamn ball down the field. <laughs> or, or at least run it too, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just be aggressive. But uh, so Use those tight ends, you know? Please. Please. He's, our, you see, C.J. Conrad is such – he's he's such a good quarter, uh, tight end. And he's yeah. one of the NFL's top tight end prospects. And you're not going to give him the ball. I mean yeah. – I I mean that would make our offense so much better. It's just you know I've said this before. Just if you include everyone else besides you know him, Lynn Bowden, and Benny Snow Jr., this offense would be so much better than what it is right now. Okay, and definitely you have C.J. Conrad for the season: sixteen receptions and one hundred fourteen yards with no touchdowns. And it's just it just seems like a waste of a resource to me. It really does. And and it's his senior year too. Yeah. He this is his this is his final hoorah. Yep. And he definitely deserves his you know, a senior definitely deserves uh, a lot of uh, a lot of touches and especially for everything he's done for this UK program. And same thing same Morris thing with Dorian Baker. Six foot five, huge hands. Um, you know, a big guy who's willing to catch the ball and then, you know, get hit and take it on for three or four more yards. You know, I, I just, I just don't understand it. I really don't. And I understand that it's not necessarily Terry's fault because he's following the coach's plan, but considering their short game and the trouble that they've had with it, um, uh, you know, definitely the long game just doesn't exist. But, I mean, they've had some trouble with it. It just seems like a viable option to have either Snell pop out or your tight ends to pop out for a short two- or three-yard pass. It's better than taking a sack for a four- or five-yard loss. 
Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, Kentucky can do their little screen passes. That's fine. Just don't do it almost, you know, every it's time dangerous. you decide to pass. Yeah, they're so dangerous, too. Um, you know, the thing about a screen pass is it will either work really well for you or it, it will end in complete, you know, shreds and a complete disaster. Yeah. And um, there's really no in the middle for uh, a screen pass. Because like you said, it can be really dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and also when you use your tight ends, it also opens up your running game too. So, I mean, there's just so much stuff we could talk about, you know, where the linebackers, they're looking for that tight end to squirt out. They got to cover them. And then, you know, and then they got to worry about the run too, you know, and, and you have a constant, you know, breakout guy in Snell who's always getting into – um, you know, the, the post-secondary, I mean, as a secondary and, um, you know, 10 yards down the, down, down the field. So, you know, you got a worried linebacker. You got to worry about this tight end. You got to worry about this, uh, you know, running back as well, getting into the backfield. So, you know, I, I definitely think it's, it's something that the offense that they can do um, that wouldn't require Terry Wilson to have, enormous amount of skill to get the ball to him. I mean, I completely understand not throwing 30 yard slants and stuff like that, but um, you know, the tight end just seems like it's more oriented towards his game. You know, it, it just seems like it would be, but for whatever reason, they're not doing it. And I don't know if that's a, by coach design, maybe they practiced it and didn't turn out so well. I don't know, but you know, it's one of those things that, if I were in the media and I was talking to the coach, I would ask him and say, hey, why aren't you using your tight end? And maybe he has a good explanation for it. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't – I mean, that, that's a great question, especially, I mean, just to ask him. And uh, also considering C.J. Conrad's a senior again, he definitely deserves, you know, a lot of playing time. And the thing is, opposing teams that Kentucky plays, they know what – the problem is they know what Kentucky is going to do, which is run the heck out of the ball and uh, throw little slant, uh, screen passes to Lynn Bowden. Yeah. So they, that's, you know, we can talk about this more on a pregame and postgame show or whatever. But, I mean, you have to – I mean, that's just – you have to be able to mix it up. I agree. Especially when, you know, like you said, you, you, you're really one-sided as an offense. But going on to further news, I just read an article today. Kelly Bryant, who was Clemson's quarterback, he, he was the starting quarterback at the, the start of the year, played four games. But, of course, under the new, new rules for the NCAA, you can now play four games and redshirt the year and still have a year of eligibility. So that's what he did. He was kind of ticked off. You know, I would be, you know, I don't blame him. He was kind of ticked off that Dabo Sweeney uh, came out and either starting freshman quarterback Trevor Lawrence for the their remainder of the season. So as a senior quarterback, I can understand his position on why he would be mad. Yeah, and I, I and, think some of it has to do with post, you know, college. You know, he he has post college ambitions. You know, to play in the NFL, oh, yeah. or whatever. 
And, and, you know, I definitely think, you know, when someone comes in and says, okay, we're not going to start you, we're going to do the freshman. And, uh, and believe me, he's looking like he deserves it. right? <laughs> you know? But at the same time, you know, from, uh, from Brian's perspective, I definitely think that, uh, you know, for him to move on and try to find another team that might be able to showcase his skills a little better might be a good thing. And, you know, they have combines too and, you know, things that he can do as well. So, um, I also you know, read somewhere where if you made it to the NFL, they might not use him as a quarterback. Yes, and uh, because he's an incredible athlete, and um, you know in, any incredible athlete, they can pretty much play just about any position on the field that for their size, of course. And right. uh, you know, and, and that's something that would be interesting. I think it would be definitely be something interesting in the trick play department too, which the NFLs seems to be kind of uh, fond of these days, you know? Yeah, I agree. And uh, going back to the, uh, the, the article that I read today, he apparently there's two teams that he added to his list. And I mean, the list of uh, potential suitors that where he goes, I mean, it kind of goes on and on. I mean, there's there's North Carolina, uh, Arkansas, Missouri. You know, there's also Florida, Auburn, West Virginia, Purdue, Colorado, NC State, Georgia Tech. I mean, the <laughs> list goes on and on about possible suitors. And definitely the top five, or at least top three right now, are as, uh, North Carolina, Arkansas, and Missouri, which I think Missouri would probably be the most likely suitor. But I could also see him uh, staying in the ACC and trying to have his, I guess, his little revenge against Clemson. But the two teams that he added are uh, Baylor and Louisville. Which is, I mean, Louisville. Louisville would be a disaster because they don't have the offensive line to. Right, and I think he would get killed. And I don't, I don't think he. I mean, he's a good, he's a good quarterback. I just quarterback on that team and they're going to have trouble. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, Lamar Jackson even had trouble with getting sacked. Uh, so, I mean, like I said, I mean, him come, I mean, I don't think he's going to go to Louisville. I mean, I think that's a, that's a stretch, but I mean, it, I don't think Louisville is, you know, necessarily the best suitor. And I don't think he would put up, uh, you know, the I don't think they would use his you know athletic ability as much as other teams could, and let's also not forget that you know he'll, he'll more than likely he'll go to a team where he will start right away. I don't oh, think yeah. there's any. I don't think he's. I mean that's the reason why he left Clemson because you know I think he's you know he deserves to be a starter, so he's definitely going to a team where he'll start right away. I mean you have Louisville right now. I mean, they have multiple quarterbacks. I mean, they have two freshman quarterbacks that they could potentially start in years to come. So, I mean, honestly, I mean, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for him to come to Louisville. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I mean, but, you know, I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a higher profile team, I definitely think. And I'm not to knock Louisville, but, you know, this year their profile's gone down quite a bit. And, 
there may even be a coach controversy at the end of this year. Which um, I mean, I think he deserves to be fired after, especially yeah. after. And if that happens, you you don't want to come in and have an unknown quantity of you know who the who the coach is going to be. You don't you don't know who it's going to be and things like that. So you know, it, it definitely will be. I, I think it will definitely be a mid-level ACC team or. Or maybe he'll surprise us and just go somewhere like crazy, you know. Um, we weren't even thinking. But, you know, as you read that laundry list of, of teams, he really has his choice. And I think he's going to go somewhere where he's going to be like, okay, I want the ball in my hands pretty much all the time, which quarterbacks do do, but a lot of times they're handing it off to a running back. But – you know, he wants to showcase skills for for the NFL, and I'm sure his preference would be to be a quarterback rather than something else, you know, kind of like Tim Tebow, you know. Right. And, um, and uh, so, Kelly, uh, yeah, and just looking at these teams, I mean, uh, Arkansas, I believe they have a senior quarterback, so it, 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 would, it would look like he would start right away. Uh, Missouri, of course, Drew Locke, he's a senior quarterback as well. So he'll be graduated and move on to the NFL next year. I mean, that, that definitely leaves a spot for Kelly Bryant to be the starter at Missouri. And, uh, I mean, Florida doesn't make sense because they have Felipe Franks, who looks like they'll, he'll definitely be their starter for, you know, and he's played okay for the season, and I think he's, you know, definitely going to be the starter for years for the next couple of years. He's at Florida, so Florida doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Auburn, I mean, they have a okay quarterback in Jared Stidham, so I mean, I don't think it would make sense to go to Auburn either. And I know another team that would kind of make sense is uh, West Virginia, maybe because they also have a senior quarterback. So I definitely think it's a team. He'll go to a team where. There's a senior quarterback that won't be there and uh, that won't be there next year. And he won't have any problems with, you know, starting right away. Yeah. And I I definitely think, you know, a lot of it has to do with their offensive schemes too. You know, he don't want to reinvent the will his, his senior year, you know, where he's going to have to completely take everything that he's learned to this point, playing Clemson football and turn it on its head. So, you know, I think that's definitely going to be rank higher in his decision-making too is, you know, what kind of offense do they play, you know, and, and how dynamic it is and things like that. So, and, and, you know, a lot of coaches can pitch them that too and just say, you know, look, here's what we're going to do. You know, this is how, you know, we're going to showcase your talents and not only that, but win a lot of games. So, you know, the the SEC, I, if I were him, I would stay away from the SEC. That's just me. But because um, I don't think he would fare well in the SEC. If he goes in the SEC, he's going to be overshadowed by all these great football teams. And he's not going to see a lot of national television time. And then on top of that, um, he's got to play their defenses. You know, and SEC tends to have – better defenses than than the ACC, for example. So, 
you know, that, that there's a lot to take in in that regard. But my first, if I were advising, I'd say stay away from the SEC. That's that's what I would do, you know. And uh, but you know, we'll see. He may surprise us and pick, you know, Arkansas or something like that. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, he should definitely be making a decision soon. Uh, decision uh, soon. Uh, so going, yeah. yeah. So uh, going to my Heisman uh, standings. Number one, I mean, snow brainer. <laughs> uh, Tua Tugavaiola. I think that's pretty close. I probably said it wrong, yeah, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tua. <laughs> but on the season, he had a you know. You know, of course, he had a pretty good game uh, at Tennessee, 306 passing yards and four TDs. And you could say, well, that's underperforming considering how he's played. But I mean, that's that's a that's a pretty good football game. And on the season, completing 70 percent of his passes, uh, 2,066 passing yards and 25 touchdowns. And this is this is a stat that always gets me is zero interceptions. Yes. I, that that to me is very impressive, especially for a young quarterback. Um, you know, the fact that he also sophomore. throws it down the field. Yeah, yeah, he's only a sophomore, and and I just think that uh, he he's a lock for it. I mean, I you know, I've been wrong before. Everybody's been wrong before, but I don't see how they could not give it to him. Considering yeah. that he's putting up and he's not even playing four quarters. Exactly. And I mean it's a you know, like you said, it's just how can you not give it how can you not give it to him? I mean, like it's just uh I mean unless he proves otherwise, you have to give it to him. Yeah. And I mean he stayed consistent throughout the season, has not had one bad game. So I mean, like I said, it's just it's how can you not give it to them? Yeah. But of yeah, course, things can change. But I don't think they will. The only thing that I can think of, they go and they play LSU, and LSU shuts them down. And then they can make an argument that, well, you know, he played really well against you know mid-level SEC teams, but when he really had to play a good SEC team, he was shut down. That that's the only thing that I can think of that would possibly keep him from getting it, or maybe lose some votes. But you know, if he goes into LSU, and and they are, you know, if if they go into LSU and then they just crush them, you know, it it's basically it's over. Yeah, know? it's sealed, especially with yeah. how good LSU's defense is. If he comes out and has a you know another three hundred yard passing game, it's settled. Yeah, yeah, twenty I mean, you, and no interceptions. That's just insane. To and me. he he still has yet to play in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, granted, LSU will probably be the first time he plays in the fourth quarter of the season, maybe. But yeah. So number two, even though they lost this past weekend, I still have Ohio State's quarterback. Dwayne Haskins at number two. I mean, even though they lost, it's hard to argue with the type of season he's had so far this season. Uh, with 470 passing yards from last weekend against Purdue and adding a couple of touchdowns. And also on the season, 
over uh or oh uh, two thousand eight hundred and one passing yards and also thirty TDs, which through seven games that's those are pretty good stats. And uh, like I said, even though they lost against Purdue this past weekend, he's still you know putting up really really good numbers. Uh, number three is quarterback from Oklahoma, Kyler Murray. He had okay. He had a you know pretty good game against TCU, two hundred thirteen passing yards and also adding four touchdowns as well. And on the season, completing seventy two percent of his passes with one thousand nine hundred seventy seven passing yards and twenty five touchdowns. And Oklahoma, even though they lost against uh, Texas, they didn't let that affect them. And they they single. I mean they they handled TCU. And those are my top three. But I do think there are a lot of dark horses. Benny Snell is definitely one of those dark horses on the season. Of course, we know how good he's been with 868 rushing yards and also adding non-touchdowns as well. Another dark horse is Clemson's running back, Travis. I can't even... I'm not, I don't even know if I want to try to pronounce his last name, but it's Travis Etn, something like that. But I mean, he's ha- he's having a pretty good season. Ninety-eight carries, uh, over eight hundred yards, and also fourteen uh, rushing touchdowns. So he's had a good season. Uh, another dark horse could be Will Greer from West Virginia. Seventy-one percent of his passes on the season. And also uh, 22 touchdowns and 1,919 passing yards. And then one last dark horse, Washington State's uh, quarterback, Gardner Minshew, who's having a really underrated season and is getting really under, you know, overlooked a lot about a lot of people is, you know, because he plays for Washington State. But in, nonetheless, on the season, 70% of his passes – 2,745 passing yards and also 23 touchdowns to go along with that. So there's definitely a lot of dark courses where, you know, I don't think they'll win it when it's all said and done, but they definitely have a shot to be in the top three when, you know, by the time the the Heisman committee is, you know, when they choose one for the voting. But so that's my Heisman standings for this week. I'm going to finish off this podcast. So, Tim, I have three questions, three trivia questions on college football. Oh, and no. <laughs> I'm going to see if you can get them. Okay. Yeah. So, first question. so, first question. So, first question. It might be obvious, but I don't know. We'll see. Is which Ohio school, these are all colleges, which Ohio school does not have a football team? Is it Mount of St. Joseph? Is it is it Finley College, Wooster College, or is it Cleveland State? Oh man, Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Now give me give me the names again. Mount Saint Joseph, Finley College, Wooster College, and Cleveland State. Cleveland State. 
Wow, you actually got that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I didn't well, know. I, I t- let me tell you my approach on that. It's like Cleveland State, it sounds like it would be, you know, kind of a major program and things like that. And that's what kind of threw me off a little bit because I was like, the other names are a little more obscure. Uh, so I was like, well, you know what? I'll just go with the more obvious, you know, Cleveland State. Yeah, in Cleveland State, they do have a basketball team, but they do not have a football team. I wonder why that is. You think it's a, a Title IX type of deal? or? Yeah, it, it might be. But yeah. nonetheless, yep. They do, like I said, basketball team, they do the Division One, But as far as football, I mean, that – and they don't have a team. Is the undergraduate enrollment. So, I mean, it's not a small school. Yeah. Either, so. but, all right, question two. Mm-hmm. We all know how good Alabama has been over the years, especially dating all the way back to Bear Bryant. But they, but a player has not won a Heisman for Alabama until the year 2009. That's how long it took for an Alabama player to win the Heisman Trophy. Now, which player was it that finally got him that Heisman? Was it Mark Ingram, A.J. McCarron, Amari Cooper, or Derrick Henry? Right offhand, I would probably say maybe between Mark Ingram. I'm I'm just going to go with the first, Mark Ingram. Ding, ding, ding. You're two out of two so far. Yeah, on the he uh, he won it in his sophomore year, compiled over sixteen hundred rushing yards with seventeen touchdowns. Dude had a an amazing year, and up and like I said, no player from Alabama had not won a Heisman Trophy up until two thousand nine, and he was finally that one person. Sixteen hundred uh, yards, huh? Yeah, pretty good, and actually. The only two people to win a Heisman Trophy for Alabama are two running backs, which was Mark Ingram in 2009 and Derrick Henry in 2015. Yeah. So those are the only two uh, players that have won. But you're two for two. Let's see if you can. You, I, I, I think I, you'll. I, I think. This one, I think. So. I think. I think you'll get this one. I think. Uh, but we'll see. All right. So which program in the state of Florida? <laughs> is yeah, has game. <laughs> which program in the state of Florida is the oldest? Meaning that they're the first team, where the first college football team in the state of Florida with you know the court, the oldest team. Is it the University of Florida? Is it Florida State University, University of Central Florida, or University of Miami? Miami's probably not it because Miami's a newer program. They're independent. They're not established. In the, um, I, I'm just going to go ahead and go with Florida. You're three out of three for this oh. week. <laughs> yeah, they they. <laughs> I knew it wasn't Miami. That's I impressive. Them, but uh, 
because, you know, they were a new kid on the block, so to speak. I remember back in the 80s, you know, they were really, really good. Yeah, right. The Florida's first year was in 1906, you know, before World, World uh, War One. So it, Yeah, and not only that, I mean, football was barely a blip on the map then, too. I mean, it didn't really pick up until the Roaring Twenties and things like that, so... Wow, 1906. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Back to when they only had six game seasons. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no teams to play against back then. <laughs> yeah. I actually I played attributed... each team twice, too. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Uh, I was actually, I was going to ask you a question, I just, uh, but I decided for the Florida, that Florida question instead. But the, it kind of shocked me. The winningest program in college football history is actually Michigan. Uh, yeah, that that kind of makes sense. How long has Michigan been around? 1879. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, I wonder what they uh, I wonder what the football looked like back then. I, I wish I could go back in time and yeah, look yeah. at that. That I would be pretty it was cool. Probably almost circular, you know. Um, maybe a little bit oblong, circle, circular, you know, not as aerodynamic. Could have been interesting to see that because, you know, football is a, you know, a derivative of several different types of sports. So, you know, I, I'd be interesting to, to know the history behind that. I don't think there's probably not a true, uh, you know, a true accounting of how it started. You know, it's sort of like baseball, you know, they, they always talk about baseball, the legends of it, you know, starting during the Civil War, you know, playing baseball games against each other, stop fighting. So I'd be interested in as far as the origins of football are concerned. So, uh, uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I 100% agree with that. All right, guys, that is the end of what is now the 11th episode of the Man Cave Sport. 11. Yep, this is episode 11. It's pretty cool. As, as I said earlier in, in this episode, thank you guys so much for still listening. We really appreciate it. We also got a new look. Forgot to mention that. So also thanks to Tim for putting that together. We're really get, getting this thing going. Uh, really, we greatly appreciate it if you guys shared it uh, with your friends, with your family. Tell them about this podcast. We really want to try to get this thing going. And, and until this weekend for the pregame and postgame shows, thank you for joining us in the man cave. <laughs>